My name is Lad, and it is really good to be with you here this morning. Um, my wife Crystal and I have been here for two weeks in the Salt Lake area. If I haven't met you yet, we've just come on staff with K2 as, as kind of the South Campus pastor. More than kind of, actually, the South Campus pastor. And, and we are really excited to be part of the family here. We're really excited to be part of you. Have you guys met my wife Crystal yet? Crystal, this is, this is my wife Crystal. And I told him I wouldn't get out of that light there, but here we are. This is my wife, Crystal. And uh, if you haven't met her yet, uh, please meet her and greet her. We, um, we have four boys. If you haven't met our boys yet, you'll see them kicking up dust all over the place. And uh, we're really excited, as I said, to be here. So thank you so much. We're talking about rubbing shoulders uh, this morning. We're starting this new series called Rubbing Shoulders, and we're in Colossians, and I'm really excited about it, because the idea of rubbing shoulders is, is being close and doing life together. Who are the people that you rub shoulders with? You rub shoulders with people at work, you rub shoulders with people that you live with, sometimes a little bit too much. You rub shoulders with people at the gym sometimes. Um, hopefully you don't rub shoulders too much on the highway and during your commute. But this idea of doing life together, and what does it look like for us as Christians to do that? So excited to talk about that this morning uh, from Colossians. But want to let you know that uh, we're getting settled and we're going to eventually be buying a house down here in the south. And it looks like we're going to be kind of in uh, the Mount Olympus area for a few months. Uh, somebody's going to give us the opportunity to stay kind of while we're figuring out where we're going to buy. And, and so, here, so we're here and we're excited to be part of the family. We're looking forward to learning what it is to be down south here and to be part of the community. And, and uh, again, just thank you for having us. I like this book, Colossians, a lot, to be honest with you. And even though it was, even though it's a series that we're kind of right in schedule with, it's not something that I planned uh, for this morning. One of the reasons that I like it the most is that Paul was writing to this church that he didn't know, he didn't know him at all. He'd never been there. He didn't plant the church. He didn't start the church. He didn't really even know the people there. And he's writing to a group of people that, that he doesn't know. He's just heard that there's good things happening there. And that's kind of the situation that I, that Crystal and I find ourselves in. We've heard that there's great things going on here. And we've been invited to come in here and participate and to pastor here and to help out here. But we don't really know you yet. You've, with arms wide open, said, hey, Come. And we've appreciated it, but we don't really know you yet. We haven't rubbed shoulders a whole lot yet. In fact, one of the things that I'm going to do for the next couple weeks is outside in the lobby, kind of in your way in and your way out, I'm going to have somebody with a camera. And, and I know this sounds kind of formalish, but I would love to have a picture of your family just so that I could get to know you and your names. And then as we talk... I would love to, for myself to get to know what needs you have and what things you're praying about and what things you're struggling with. 
See, I can, I can see through and I recognize some faces, but I don't, I don't really know exactly who's out of work here from among you all. I don't really know who's struggling with health issues. I don't really know yet the things that are going on in your life. And as much as you want me to know, I really want to be praying for you. And I really want to get to know you. And so that's something we're going to start for the next couple of weeks, just so that, so that I can kind of catch up to speed on, on who we are as a family here. And, you know, we've been to a number of uh, CTCs and, um, and Life Together groups. And please, if, if you have one of those that's kind of getting started back up, I would really like to join you. Um, we might get, depending on school nights and all that, school starts tomorrow, so depending on that, we might all be able to come, or it might just be me or me and Crystal. But we would really like to get to know you and hear your heart for what's going on down here in the South, uh, at this South campus. Um, Paul had, had heard about some of the things going on here in Colossians, and that's why he's writing. And that's why he's talking about rubbing shoulders and how they live out this reality that they've become followers of Christ. And, and like I said, he just he didn't know them. It makes me think in, in 1 Corinthians, there's a section that Paul writes, and he says, you guys have had different pastors. That's what he says to the, the church in Corinth. He says, you guys have had different pastors. And some of you, some of you really connected with one pastor, and others of you really connected with another pastor. And that's totally normal. That's totally right. I'm going to read it. If uh, You don't have to go there. This is in 1 Corinthians. You can check it out later. It's actually chapter 3. There they had this issue where actually people were fighting about whose pastor was better. Oh, this guy is better than that guy. And I haven't really sensed any of that going on here at all. But he says this. He says, when one of you says, I'm a follower of Paul, another one says, I prefer Apollos. Aren't you acting like those who aren't really even Christians? Who is Apollos? Who is Paul? That they should cause such fights. Why, we are only servants, he says. Through us, God caused you to believe. Each of us did the work that God gave us. My job was to plant the seed in your hearts, and Apollos watered it. It was God, not we, who made it grow. The ones who do the planting or watering, they aren't important. But God is important. Because he's the one that makes the seed to grow. Don't you love that about Paul? He's like, I'm nothing. Don't worry about me, the one who plants, the one who waters. I'm nothing. It's God who causes the growth. And, and there have been guys serving well and pastoring well here. And you've connected with them. And, and I just want to say, praise God for what he's doing in your life through other good men and women who've been leading you. Amen? Amen. It's a good thing. And we thank God for that. You know, any one of us, um, not me right now, but any one of us this week uh, could get transferred. At least I hope not this week. Um, Any one of us could get transferred in theory. You know, something could happen. And you could find yourself in a different state at a different church with with a different group of people pastoring you. And, and there would be heartbreak, wouldn't there? If you had to move away, there would be relationships that would be lost if you had to move away. But God would continue that growth through other people. 
we're just servants. As I think about my role here in the South at this campus, um, I don't know why I keep on saying in the South. I guess that's the way they talk about it up North, like we're way South or something. Um, But here at this campus, uh, as your pastor, uh, I was thinking about you getting to know my expectations. And I'm sure my expectations will change a little bit. But you getting to know my expectations of what it is to be, you know, like a pastor here. You know, there's, there's tons of stuff to do in order to, make, in order to make church happen. And there's lots of needs and roles. And, and while it probably is important that, that somehow that stuff gets done... I don't really think that my, my main job is to, to try to motivate or to get you involved with that to make it happen. That, that's not really why I'm here. And there's a lot of business aspects to, to making a church run and to helping keep things organized. And man, I'm going to work hard on those things. But it's not, it's not really why I'm here. It's not really the heart of what... I mean, there's running. There's, there's organization. There's business to do. But the management of this, this organization, this church, this body, these functions, is not really why I'm here. There's tons of people, thousands of people in the community around us who don't really know about the grace of Jesus. And I could be pretty tempted to try to motivate you to take the gospel to people who don't know it. But still, I can't really do that. I can't really force you to try again to take the gospel to your neighbors. I can't really do that. My, the way I think about my job as, as pastor here to you is really to serve you, to serve Jesus and to serve you in such a way that you and I are just blown away by how amazing Jesus is, how amazing God's love is for you and me. That we, would, that we would come and we would, that we would take a look at the word of God, that we'd listen to it and we'd say, God, you are amazing. And that you and I would walk more and more deeply and intimately with Jesus. I want to do that for me. I want to do that for Crystal. I, I want to be that kind of person who walks more and more with Jesus. And I want to lead you to the same stuff. Can you imagine what would happen if, let, let's say there's, let's say down south here, let's say there's a couple hundred of us. Can you imagine what would happen with a few hundred people who are rubbing shoulders together and just saying, God, whatever, what, whatever you want, I'll do it. I'll go there. I, I want to walk with you. And, and my goal is just to say, let's go there together. Let's just go that next step with Jesus. And my goal is to encourage you that way. So all that other stuff will happen as well. But really, when I think of my role here, it's to walk with Jesus and to serve him in such a way that, that God is able to invite you more and more deeply into walking with him. Does that kind of make sense? So thank you for the privilege of, uh, of being able to do that with you. You know, thinking, when, when you come into a new place, you, you take a look at the situation. You know, when you go into a new job, you try and figure out, 
kind of the way stuff works and what's around and and uh, when when I look at this community, if you, if you were to take on a map and if you were to draw a like a seven mile radius circle from this point, what do you think the population is in a seven mile radius? Seven miles is pretty reasonable, isn't it? Seven miles. Um, what do you think the population is within seven miles of this point? It is. It's five hundred ninety five thousand four hundred people. Over half a million people within seven miles of this point. That's, that's a serious number of people. And there's 57 Christian churches in that area. Okay, good churches. Good churches. Now somebody is already doing the math. Who's got it? It's like 10,445. Literally, there's one gospel-preaching church for every 10,445 people within seven-mile radius of here. So you and I have plenty of opportunity to say, Jesus, there's more people who need to understand forgiveness. There's more people who need to understand that you came and you died for my sin. There's more people around that could be in, in your living room, on your patio, in those chairs, who could just say, I never knew. I never understood that, that grace was for me. I thought I had to earn it. I thought I had to do it. I thought I had to be good enough. And so we'll, we'll talk more about that. But I'm looking forward to saying, God, with us as a group pursuing you, what do you want to do? And it's just my... It's just my observation that God has been doing great things through good men, good pastors here at this campus. And it's a real privilege to come in and to be part of it. So thank you. In Colossians, you can turn to chapter 3 and, and we're just in verses 1 through 4 today. And let me set this up a little bit. I told you, Paul would never been to Colossians. He's sitting in, in prison in Rome, most likely. And, and he writes this. In the first two chapters, Paul is just saying, Jesus is amazing. Do you understand that Jesus is the Christ? He was, before all things were created, he was. He is God, and he is the one who God made everything through. Everything that was made was made by Jesus. I'm sure, I'm sure at some point later we can talk about how incredible the universe is, but do you know that in the discovered universe right now, in what we can see, do you know that our Milky Way galaxy, which is 100,000 light years across, which is super grand, super big, um, like our sun is just a small star in the Milky Way galaxy. And do you know, though, that our Milky Way galaxy in the known universe right now is the equivalent to the size of a quarter on the ground in North America. Do you understand that? I don't have a quarter, um, but that's how well prepared I am. But this right here, this cap on the ground in North America 
that would be the size of the Milky Way galaxy in the known universe if the known universe stretches all the way to Mexico, all the way through to Canada, all the way through the Pacific to the Atlantic. That represents the Milky Way galaxy on which Earth is undefinably small and on which you and I are just specks on a planet. And Jesus is the creator of everything that's ever been created. And can you imagine that he knows the number of hairs on your head and he loves you even though he knows you? Can you imagine? And not only does he love you, but he came to this little speck of a place and he lived and died and rose again for our sins. Absolutely amazing. That's what Paul says in the first couple chapters. Actually, in the second chapter, he says, now don't get fooled. You believed in that Jesus. Don't get fooled because some other people came in and they said, not only do you need to believe, but you need to do this, 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 and this. And don't do this, 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 and this. We're going to be in Colossians for the next four weeks. I would really encourage you, read Colossians at least once a week. It's like a a 10, 12 12 minute read, 15 at the most. Read Colossians, blow you away. He says, don't get fooled. It's amazing. I love the way he says it. Um, Sorry, we're not in chapter three yet. I promise we'll get there. He says this, he says, don't let anybody lead you astray. This is verse eight of chapter two. Don't let anybody lead you astray with empty philosophy with high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking, from the evil powers of this world, and not from, <coughs> not from Christ. Um, he says, these rules, this is verse 23, these rules seem wise because they require strong devotion, humility, and severe bodily discipline. But they have no effect when it comes to conquering a person's evil thoughts and desires. Religion, religion always does this. It always requires strong discipline, strong bodily devotion, humility. It always requires it, and it always looks right. It always does. Because who can argue with the same kind of morals that we're going to see that real faith lives out? But, and and get this, because you're always going to see it. We're going to see it every time we look at the word. Christian living, and we're going to talk about it next week, Christian living always follows becoming a Christian. Does that make sense? Too many of us, and maybe lots of us were raised this way where where we thought that actually Christian living made you eventually become a Christian. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like, if if I just straighten up a little bit, then maybe, if I straighten up for long enough, then, then maybe I'll go back to church and I'll check out that God thing. Right? You hear it all the time. But always in God's word, like changed life follows change. And change only happens because of Jesus. And so here's what Paul says. He says, don't get tricked into following rules. I do this, I do this, I don't do this, I don't do this, because that doesn't change your heart. And so that brings us to chapter three in Colossians. And here's what he says. In verse 1, 
Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits at God's right hand in the place of honor and power. Let heaven fill your thoughts. Do not only think about things down here on earth, for you died when Christ died, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your real life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in his glory. Let me just pray for us as we get started. God, I'd like to ask you to teach us from your word today. God, this is, this is big. The notion that you, the creator of the universe, Jesus, have died for us and given us new life and actually live in us, that our life is yours to those who believe. Wow. I don't even know how to wrap my mind around it, God. Would you teach us and help us as we talk these next few minutes? In Jesus' name, amen. (coughs) Excuse me. This first phrase, since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the reality of heaven where Christ sits at God's right hand in the place of honor and power. First thing that Paul says is that we have a new life in Christ. I want you to know that if, if you're here this morning and you're, you're invited by somebody and you're kind of checking out church, you're checking out God thing, you're not really sure if you buy into it all, maybe you believe in God, but you're not sure if you believe in Jesus and you're not really sure if Jesus was God, I want you to know that really who Paul is talking to right here and kind of what we're talking about this morning really applies most directly to those of us who've already said, I believe in Jesus. I believe that Jesus is my Savior, that he's God, died for me. Okay? So the realities of what we're talking about don't really apply to everybody. They apply to those who have already believed. God's word says that when we believe in him, that we are made new, that we receive him and the forgiveness of our sins, that it's, that it's just by believing, that it's just by faith that he saves us. And he makes us new. Some of you are saying, I'm not really sure that I want to be new. Because what he goes on here to say in verse 3 is he says, you died when Christ died. For those of you who believe, we've been given a new life, but what happens inherently when you're given a new life? What happens to that old life? That old life dies, okay? He says, so you died when Christ died and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about this today because today is really a fun day for all of us as a church. Um, We're having baptisms today. And don't worry, I'm not going to baptize you guys. I'm not going to throw this out there on you. Um, We're talking about baptism today because baptisms are happening this afternoon. There's about 25 people getting baptized, and and I think we're going to hear about that a little bit more later. Love for you to come and to cheer for them. Do you guys like birth? Do you guys like, you know, babies being born and stuff? Um, Most places in the world they kind of do. I'm not quite sure here. I think they do. Um, There is nothing like birth. Um, Man, watching our kids being born, just fantastic for me. Um, (laughs) Fantastic for you when it's over. Yeah. That's a guy thing. Um... Nothing as amazing as the smell 
of a newborn baby's head, is there? Have you ever, uh, have you ever been there right as that baby is born? I know I'm taking some of you to a place that you don't even like to think about, but <laughs> hey, it's, it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Cutting that cord, absolutely amazing. Baptism is kind of a fun celebration of birth. Because baptism, and baptism, we could, we could talk for weeks about baptism alone, but baptism is kind of that celebration of new life. And literally, the, the picture the Bible paints is that um, baptism is a symbol, and, and this is the idea that um, you, you kind of die with Christ and raise again to new life. Does that make sense? If you've seen it before, that might make sense, but if you're new, it might seem like kind of a weird thing, like what's up with the water, and why do you have to do that, and and there's so many different ways, and, and some people sprinkle, and some people squirt gun, and some people, you know, all these different things. And people kind of get upset over the form. And the bigger notion, though, is that I'm making a statement that I just believed in Christ. And, and I'm choosing Him. And, and I have new life, not because I earned it, not because I'm good enough, but because He gave it to me. And... And this whole word, uh, this whole word baptize gets used a few different ways, um, but it's a pretty cool, it's a pretty cool word. And um, the whole notion of baptizing is, is uh, we use it and, and the New Testament uses it to talk about representing new life, um, but it actually gets used kind of mostly as a, as a technical term. There's actually like a, in 200 uh, B.C., there's like a pickling recipe for, for baptizing the vegetable in hot water and then baptizing it in vinegar to stay. You actually kind of dunk it in the, you dunk it in the boiling water and then you, you baptize it into the vinegar. And then they use those same words to talk about, about dyeing a cloth. And you see a cloth, um, every fiber of this cloth is, is, is every fiber of this cloth. Um, it, it is what it is, and, and when, you, when you baptize it, you actually don't, you don't lose the fibers of who you are. Some of you are saying, I'm not really sure I want new life because, because I kind of like life. I kind of I like my marriage, and, and I'm kind of having fun, and, and I kind of like what I do, and I kind of like my money, and I kind of like the plan I have for life, and I'm not really sure I want to give up my life. But you hear Jesus, and Jesus says, whoever holds on to his life and doesn't give it to me, you can't be my follower. And, and Jesus says, follow me. And some of us, even as Christians, you know, to be honest, we want to trust in Christ because it's, we, the way we kind of read the story is that there's something after you die, and it kind of works out best for me if if I'm set over there. You know what I'm saying? And so really my trust in Christ is really more about me settling, settling up what's on the other side than really trusting God with right now, with whatever. And what I believe and what I've seen and what I've lived is that God has better plans for you than you do. I can tell you that God has more amazing things for you then you can navigate for yourself. You might not believe that right now. 
But God is the one who holds that universe, that universe the size of North America in comparison with, with that cap as the Milky Way. He holds that together. The reason it doesn't fall apart is because of him. And he made you. And he has better stuff for you than you can, than you can manage. He has a better portfolio than, than you can design or even have designed for you. So baptize. And immediately in baptizing, this cloth will never be the same. You know what I'm saying? It's different. It's still every fiber that it was before, but now it's infused with something new. It's been baptized. And baptism is simply a symbol that, that I'm new. It's a statement to you and to those around you and just to the watching world that, that I am I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a believer in Christ. I've been infused with Jesus. The God of the universe lives inside me. All right, we got a rock. Okay, back to Colossians. Here we go. Verse 2. Jesus, check, I mean, can you imagine? The, the God who, Jesus, he is sitting at the right hand of the throne of the universe. And his power lives in you if you're a believer in Christ. Can you imagine? It says in verse 2, Let heaven fill your thoughts. Better, the NIV says it a little bit better, set your minds on things above. I don't know what you think about when you think about setting your minds on things above. It's kind of, I don't really know what to think about that. I know it's not this. This is not what's setting your mind on things above. You can put that picture up, um, that cartoon up. I know, it's, I know it's not this. When we think about setting our minds on things above, to be honest, we think of, of kind of fat cherubs and wings and, you know, do they really have what I like to do in heaven? What's it going to be like? What is it like to think about the things of heaven? And I think a lot of times when we hear stuff like that, we're like, what good is that? I mean, if I, if I think about heaven and don't think about today, is anything really going to get done today? Does it mean that I don't change the diapers because I'm thinking about heaven? And I just want to let you know, that's not at all what Paul is talking about. Remember in chapter 2, he said, don't live life in the stupid, vain, dumb way that people on here or on earth live life. They think in earthly terms about God. They think, if I do this, if I don't do this, I'll be okay with God. That's the earthly way of thinking. That I'm in the center. That me, if I do this right, if I'm good enough, if I make it okay, then things are going to come out all right. He said, don't live in that earthly way of thinking. Think about the reality of heaven. Think about the reality of that Jesus is at the right hand of God, and if you've believed, he lives in you. He's given you new life. He's given me new life. It ought to change how we rub shoulders together. 
uh, verse 3. Um, you died when Christ died, and your real life is hidden with God, or with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your real life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. And that's the truth. When God sorts everything out in the end, be it in our lifetime or later, God's word says that those who believe in him are co-heirs with him, that, that we will share in the glory of the Jesus who created it all, who's at the right hand of God. There is no way that your observance of certain good things is going to earn that. It is only through the absurd grace of Jesus. Are you tracking with me about that? It's absurd. It doesn't make any sense. If you and I were to write the gospel, we would include a number of do's and don'ts. And if you do those things, then you're in. Right? The gospel is the exact opposite. You cannot do anything. You can only be forgiven. You can only have God say, I love you and I forgive you. There's nothing you could have done. I'll pay the price for your sin. And that's what Jesus did. What would it look like for you and I to walk together for a long time? Do you notice how more and more time setting Spending time setting your mind on things above makes the cloth even darker. You notice that? If we left this in here overnight, it would be even darker. There's good things that God has been doing in you here, in us here. And the more we continue to set our minds on Christ and the reality that the God of the universe lives in me, we're going to see that more and more we're going to take on his character and we're going to we're going to know what he wants us to do and we're going to see him move right here in our own lives and our own families the band's going to come up and and I just want to pray with you as we get started as we get restarted as as you've invited us here as we uh, as we kick off this fall I just want to invite you to say, God, I want to look like you. I want to take on your character. I want to set my mind on things above. I don't want to just be like everybody else, going day in and day out, hoping that in the end it all works out. I want to know you, and I want to walk with you. What would your family look like if you really understood that the power of God, the God of the universe, is inside you as a believer, as a woman of God, as a man of God? We're going to find out next week. But today, some of you, some of you might want to say, I want to know more about that Jesus. I want to believe in him. Some of you might say, I've been a Christian for a long time, but I've never been baptized. I want to be baptized. We're going to worship. 
And, and I want to encourage you. Come up and pray afterwards. Come up and talk to us. Uh, if you want to be baptized, if you want to know more about Jesus, would you, would you come and talk to us afterwards? We'd love to pray with you. Lord Jesus, would you help us this morning as, as we process your word, as we chew on it, as we, as we ask you, what does it mean that you have given us new life and that you live in us? God, would you lead us? Would you guide us by your spirit? And God, for those here who don't believe in you, God, I pray that they would know that you love them, that you died for them. And I pray that you might draw them to your son, Jesus. And it's in his strong name that we pray. Amen.